Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 412. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, as I mentioned earlier. I'm excited that you are here to listen to another great story of a pre-med student who was told that she wasn't going to get into medical school. She stumbled early on, picked herself back up, changed locations, and we, we dive into why she decided to change schools, and we talk a lot about her journey, her struggles, her successes, and much more. Let's go ahead and dive in and say hello to Paola. Paola, welcome to the Premed Years. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. When did you realize you wanted to be a physician? Um, for me, it was probably like in high school that I knew. When I was younger, I wanted to be a vet. Um, I was always around like the healthcare field. My mom's a pharmacist and my aunt's a pharmacist and my grandpa. So I was kind of always around that. And in high school, I would go with my mom to the hospital and she would take me on rounds. So that's kind of when I knew. So I started college as a bio major and I was like pretty set on it the whole time. Yeah. And piece of cake, right? You, you go on oh. your journey, your, your mom's in medicine, therefore yeah. you're destined, no, no issues whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Until my first <laughs> semester. <laughs> what happened first semester? Um, so I got my first C very quickly. Uh, I ended with probably, I think it was like a 2.9 my first semester and I literally cried so much. I thought I was never going to make it. And I mean, yeah, here I am. So I obviously made it. And I also like, so this is also part of my journey. I've been to three different undergrads. So that was a lot. So my first year I was at High Point University and I left because it just was a really big culture shock for me. So I decided that I wanted to go back to Florida. And in order to go to Florida, UF, go Gators, I decided to go to Santa Fe College first. Mm -hmm. I went from High Point University to Santa Fe College to UF. Um, my whole first year was like really rough for me. 
And I think honestly, until I got to UF, that's kind of when I got my stuff together. And also really started to enjoying to enjoy like biology. And once I started to enjoy it, that's really when I started doing a lot better. When did you realize or what was it that made you realize that high point wasn't where you were supposed to be? I think I realized pretty quickly. I think by the second week, I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, my parents were like, you know, that's how most people feel. Like it's <laughs> your first semester of college. Everything's new. Like you're going to get used to it, whatever. So then in December, I was like, still like, I want to leave. And then they said, okay, well, give it to the end of the year and kind of decide where you want to go. Um, I didn't want to go back to Miami because I still wanted to get like a college experience. And so I decided that like if I wanted to be closer to home in Florida, UF was probably the best option. But I couldn't transfer straight because you need 60 credits or an AA. And I really wanted to leave. So that's why I went to community college. And I did like 18 credits in one summer and was there by the following January. What what convinced you that... Like a lot of people, as your parents said, a lot of people don't feel like they belong there or it's it's a transition and so you'll get through this. But what was it that convinced you that you had to leave there and go somewhere else and, and gave you the courage to actually go through that whole process? Because a lot of people just stick it out. Yeah, I definitely could not. I'm also like pretty headstrong when I don't want to do something. I just don't do it. Um, I didn't feel like fully comfortable there. I came from like, Miami, which is a really big city, a lot of culture. And this was a very, it was a small school in a small town, not a lot of diversity. I had like a good group of friends, but they also all ended up leaving. I don't want to like say that that school was bad. It was a, it was a really great school. It just wasn't for me particularly. I just didn't feel like I fit in and that I could make the most of it. Um, and I didn't feel like I probably would have had all the opportunities that I ended up having at UF. Okay. Interesting. So as you got to UF or even at, at Santa Fe College, which it, it dates me a little bit because when I was at UF, it was still Santa Fe Community College. Yeah. Um, when when you got to Santa Fe College and then to UF, what was different about the experience, about the environment that, that allowed you, I'm assuming, to be more successful than you were at your first school? Um, so I had friends there. So I think that helped a lot. I had friends from Miami there. And I was, I was also able to go home more and my mom would come visit me more. So like, I'm very dependent on my family. Like my, they're my support system. So that helped me a lot. And I think it's just, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like a completely different environment to go from like a small private school to a public school where you see like so many different kinds of people and like, you'll find a group where you fit in regardless. Yeah. Interesting. So you, you get there and, and what was that process for you to actually assume even with the poor start that, that you could yeah. continue down this journey? Were, were there any doubts? Were there any naysayers? Um, yeah, I was like, I was worried. I was like, what if I don't get into UF and I just did all this for no reason? Um, my parents were like really confident in me, which was great. I mean, they thought like it was a little bit crazy to do all this, but they believed in me. So that allowed me to believe in myself. But the process was kind of difficult because a lot of the credits, like they didn't want them to transfer at Santa Fe. They're like, they wanted to take my biology as like physics. So I had to go to UF and meet with like each dean of the colleges and make sure that they ultimately would accept 
my classes, even before I ended up applying, because I wanted to make sure that if I'm going here, I hope that everything is going to like pan out the way I want it to. Um, but yeah, it was like a pretty smooth transition. Like I, and I, before I did this, I kind of did my research and most people who go through Santa Fe will get into UF. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely the feeder school for UF, which is is great. That's why I did it. (laughs) And so you get to UF, obviously huge campus. Um, I don't know what, what, uh, the first school was like, but, uh, big campus, huge pre-med population, usually second or third biggest pre-med class every year, applying to medical school, getting into medical school. What was that like to be just in this huge pre-med environment with all these other pre-meds, which is a pretty competitive world out there? Yeah, um, it was very overwhelming. Like, but I had my first like probably 400 person class that semester and I was like, oh my gosh, like all these people are, I don't want to say my competition, but like these are the people I'm competing against, you know? So it was like very scary and so surreal to see that. But I was a micro major, so I had a smaller group of people that I, we were always like in the same classes. So that helped me make it like a smaller school. I feel like. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. What, what was the first time that you reached out to any sort of like pre-health advisor, uh, academic advisor to, to talk, to talk about your journey to medical school? Um, it was probably my first semester at UF. And I literally remember it like if it was yesterday, I walked into my advisor's office and was kind of just like, just wanted to get advice on like when I should take the MCAT, like when I should apply. And we went over my grades and whatnot. And he told me if you'd be lucky, like even with a 510 to get into a U.S. school, what's your plan B? And I literally like walked out of there called my mom crying. I was like, I'm never going to be a doctor. It was a horrible experience. And that's actually when I found your podcast and your Facebook page and everything. And I just started listening to them like every day, trying to catch up on all the old ones. And then every Wednesday I would listen to them. And I feel like that helped me so much believe in myself because there was like, you know, so many stories of people with below average or average GPAs making it. And that's, that's when I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to be fine. Um, these advisors don't really know what they're talking about and everything's going to be okay. And I never went back. And now like whenever I find a pre-med or like if my mom has friends who their kids are pre-meds, I contact them immediately. And I'm like, if an advisor tells you that you're not going to make it literally (laughs) never go back, run away. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to Dr. Gray, like get the books, listen to the podcast, like whatever you need, let me know. Like, that is not true. You will make it. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think there are these people, especially at UF, where I, where I went, where my advisor told me I was never going to get into medical school, um, where there, there's just such a huge population of students who are being fed the same BS every, every yeah. day? I don't know. I, like, I hope that it's just because maybe they don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hope it's not like with bad intent. I just think maybe they haven't heard these success stories, so they don't know how to advise those kinds of students. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. If it's like something else, that'd be pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you you finally get some motivation. You find the podcast. You get motivation. You get some encouragement that you can do this. What, from an academic standpoint, were there other obstacles, were there other hurdles, other other stumbles that, that you had along the way? 
Um, so like I said, I, my first, my first year, I, my science GPA was a 3.0 and it really didn't start going up until I got to UF. Mm. And I think because I enjoyed my micro classes so much, I really, really did well. So my senior year, my science GPA was a 3.7. So I had like a really great upward trend, but in between that I had two C's. So, you know, any pre-med would be like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm never going to make it, but I did. So it's okay. Um, and I decided to do a master's because I had like a pretty average undergrad GPA. And also because I went to three different schools, I thought that if I got a master's, that might help me stand out. That's, that's interesting. Let's, let's talk about that. So you finished your undergrad. What was your cumulative in science GPA? Okay. Mine, I wrote it down. My cumulative <laughs> was a 3.64 okay. and my science was a 3.39, which I actually didn't realize until today. i never knew that was my science GPA. Yeah. So from a cumulative GPA, your GPA was pretty solid. Um, And then a science GPA in undergrad, 339. Not horrible, but not great. I want to know... What was you said? The thought process behind going for a master's was obviously just to improve, right? It, it couldn't hurt. Yeah. What What was the thought process between behind doing a master's versus doing an undergrad post post back program? What was that thought process? I I didn't really like consider doing the other one. I just thought a master's overall might help me, and like at the end of the day, I will have a master's. So if I have to take more years off, like I'll have a solid degree that I can get a job. So that was kind of my thought process. Aha. So you were, you were playing the plan B route a little bit. Yeah. Like just, I mean, regardless, I would have reapplied. Yeah. But I would have liked to have a degree where I could have a solid job while I was doing that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's an expensive backup plan. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do do you think the masters helped you? I think it helped me a lot. Um, a lot. Like, I feel like that's probably what got me so many interviews. And now in med school, I just, I feel so prepared. Like Mm -hmm. this is not my first time seeing anything. And I have the background knowledge that I understand everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know it off the top of my head, but this isn't my first time looking at it. So it makes it a lot easier when I'm studying. Yeah. When when you went down that path, what was the thought process behind choosing what masters to do? Because a lot of students choose the wrong master, and so now they're spending a lot of money on the wrong thing too. Um, I mean, listening to your podcast <laughs> kind of like helped me like decide I definitely need to do science, not an MPH. Yep. Even though like I probably would have really enjoyed an MPH, I knew that that's not what I needed specifically. Yep. So I decided to do physiology. Okay. Which was pure science. Yeah. And and did you try to find a program that was integrated in with a medical school or did you just look around for something that was cheap or local or something? I like looked that? at a, like a few of those, but nothing seemed guaranteed. And a lot of them were like, you need to meet this MCAT score. Yeah. And I kind of knew I wasn't going to meet that MCAT score. So I just thought like, I'm just going to pick somewhere that I like the curriculum and like the city. And, you know, go from there. I thought about doing the FIU certificate program because they, like, promise that they'll interview you. But someone told me that just because they interview you doesn't mean they're going to accept you. So don't go get a certificate and spend all that money when you can get a master's for a little bit more. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
And and any any big transition issues with going from undergrad to masters in terms of the the level of uh, how hard the courses were? Honestly, no. Um, I feel like UF really prepares its students. I it was hard. It was a lot of work. I took thirty credits in a year, and it was like very advanced material, but it it wasn't like it was very doable. You know, all you had to do was study. So that's what I did. Yeah. And I did well. And I don't think it was that hard. You just kind of have to apply yourself. Yeah. It's very similar to medical school right now that you're in. It's just, it's a lot and it's, it's not super complicated. You don't have to be a genius to understand it all. It's just yeah. a lot to do and you just got to do it. Exactly. It, it, it was exactly like medical school, but yeah. like no medical school is like double that. So. <laughs> or triple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So let's, let's talk about, you mentioned the MCAT and, and you saying that you knew you weren't going to get up to that level of MCAT that some of the master's programs wanted. Mm-hmm. Where did that negative attitude come from? <laughs> um, so the first time I took it, I got a 500, which like, you know, isn't horrible. Right. Yep. I thought like I studied a lot, so I thought like I should have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't like see myself doing better. Like I didn't know how, how much more I would have had to study to do substantially better. Mm. And the second time I took it, I got a 503. So I didn't even go up that much. Three points is a lot. Not a lot of people get, yeah. a, get up three points. So yeah, no, I'm happy with it. But when I was taking the practice test, I was at like a 508, like mm. two weeks before the real test, not to scare anyone, but it <laughs> happened. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So let, let's talk about the, the MCAT. Why do you think having had this huge shift in your academic uh, accomplishment, right? In, improving your grades. Why do you think you still struggled with the MCAT? I honestly have no idea. And I think about it a lot. And sometimes I wonder if like, maybe it's because I, I didn't like the material, you know, which is not right. Like, obviously I should try a lot harder, but it was, it was the chem that I struggled with and probably the cars I've never like reading has never been my strong suit and chem was my first C in college. So, you know, that's where I struggled in MCAT, not the bio or the psych so so much. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about your applications to medical school. The yeah. the process for you, did you apply more than once or did was it just the one time after you did your master's? I applied once. Yeah, that's nice. So MCAT yeah. twice, only yeah, applied MCAT once. Twice. Only applied once. Yeah, that makes it easy. What was the, the process for you to uh, apply to medical schools, picking where you wanted to go or where, do, where you wanted to apply to? Um, I kind of looked at schools that like fit what I wanted. I didn't want somewhere where it had like a competitive atmosphere or like, I w- and I wanted a school that was focused on service, but I also wanted to be close to home. So that was like the most important thing to me location. Mm. But in general, it was like a non-competitive atmosphere and having like service opportunities. Okay. And you applied in your note to me, you said you applied a little bit later, which was around August, which I wouldn't really consider that late. Why, why did you think that was late? I thought it was late because most people apply in June. So I applied probably like August, 
I think I submitted in August and then I started writing my secondaries in September because I was waiting for my MCAT score and I almost didn't didn't apply because of my score. Mm. But someone convinced me to and I applied. Um, <laughs> and then the last secondary I submitted was October 1st. So and I applied to MDs too. So it wasn't like I was submitting DOs later. I was submitting MDs kind of late. Yeah. Submitting all in in yeah. your mind what what you thought was late, which again yeah. kind of big picture. I, I know I, I harp on students applying as early as possible, and obviously there's a balance between making sure that you're ready and uh, that you you have everything ready to go, and uh, obviously you have a uh, pre- you're prepared enough to take the MCAT that you're ready to apply. What do you think was the hardest thing that the whole process of applying the the hardest thing um, maybe that you underestimated? the secondaries mm. they were brutal um, <laughs> like or if you're working at the same time or doing school at the same time like making time for that is very hard and it kind of just consumes your whole life like i i didn't do anything for those first two months i was just whenever i had a chance i was writing yeah, yeah that was probably the hardest part what was the hardest type of secondary to write I don't even remember. <laughs> you don't remember. You've repressed all of that. Yeah. That was, yeah, I don't remember. Um, it was like, I think the beginning was the hardest part. And then once they, once you start writing so many of them, they start to like kind of sound the same. Yep. So you kind of already have your essays and you just change them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Once you have that momentum going, it's, it's usually yeah. much easier and something I talk about a bunch. Did you use the secondary essay database on my website? Yes, I did. Good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely something that I highly recommend pre-writing those secondary essays as much as possible because they come fast and furious once once the application cycle goes. I wish I had written more beforehand, but like we don't have all that time. Yeah. Interesting. What What was it like the first interview invite that you got? Oh my God, that was so exciting. It was, I'm pretty sure I cried. Like, it was the most exciting thing ever because I applied late. You know, I wasn't very excited about my MCAT score. I applied apply, and literally thought I wasn't going to make it. I was like, I'll just apply again next year. It's not a big deal. Mm. Um, so when I got that first interview, I was like, wow, this is incredible. And my first interview invite was University of Pittsburgh, which is crazy because their MCAT score is like a 517 or something. Mm. So that being the first one made me feel a lot better about the whole process. Yeah. How much do you think the the kind of diversity helped you? Uh, obviously, being a uh, Latina woman, yeah. how much do you think that helped? I think it, I think it helps a ton. Yeah. Um, like it, it sucks that it does, but it helps a lot. Yeah. Well, let, let me, let me have you break that down. Why does it suck that it does? I think it sucks for other, like, you know, from students who are part of the majority, mm-hmm. like if we both tried just as much in school and are like the same, same application, right? My application might get picked up first just because I'm Hispanic, which yeah. is great because schools really need this diversity because there's really not a lot of Hispanics when you go on the, the AMCAS website and see how many him, Hispanics are in each class. There's yeah. like barely any. So they definitely need it. But when you're comparing student to student, it just it kind of sucks that it's like that for the other ones. 
Yeah, I, I can see that that point of view, but being a part of the majority, I also know the data the data is super clear as day that more diversity it, it improves uh, the whole environment and yeah. and patient outcomes and and yeah. just work work out uh, work um, environments and everything else. So, a hundred percent. I didn't. I wanted to go to a school with more diversity. Like that was something I was definitely looking at. Yeah, that's awesome. So your your first interview, you get lined up. Uh, super excited for that. How did you prepare for your interviews? Um, we did a mock interview actually. <laughs> so. I did a mock interview with you and I, I read the interview book. Yeah. Yeah. And then like before every interview, I would just go and find the questions that people would post that they were going to ask and write my answers. Just like think like rough draft what I would say. Mm -hmm. So that was how I prepared for it. Okay. And do you feel, cause I, I typically don't recommend writing out answers. Yeah. Do you feel like you did it? in a way that prevented you from memorizing it and reciting it? Oh yeah, no, I, I didn't memorize it at all. I just did it like one time to kind of have that idea in my head Yeah. so that I would have that idea. But I, I didn't memorize my answers. When I got in there, it just, most of my interviews went very well. Like my interviewers were great and it was just a conversation. Mm -hmm. so I got very lucky with that. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't memorize them. Yeah, good. And you were super successful in getting lots of interviews. As the interviews kept coming, what was the that thought process like for you? Like a lot of people would have imposter syndrome at some point. Like there's something wrong here. Like did my numbers get mixed up because I was not expecting this sort of success? What what was that like for you? That's, I mean, that's definitely what I thought in the beginning. I was like, <laughs> I think that they picked the wrong person because for my first interview invite. I had submitted the secondary four days earlier. Wow. So I was like, there's no way. Like, they made a mistake, but I'm not going to say anything. Like, I'm obviously <laughs> going to still go. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit, it was surreal in the beginning. And then after a certain point, you're just like, oh, another interview. Like, do I want to go? Mm. Kind of thing. But it, it was just, it was just insane. Like, I never, ever expected to have that many interview interviews. Yeah. What was that thought process like? Because a lot of students just will stop going to interviews once they get an acceptance that they're comfortable with. They'll just stop going. Why Why did you keep going to interviews? So, because, so like, I'm trying to think about it. Um, I So my first thing was I wanted to be closer to home. And all my first interview invites were DOs, like in the South, mm. which the South, like, it's just... I didn't really want to be there. Um, <laughs> yep. So I continued to go to, to find like a better fit. And okay. then I finally got Nova. Mm -hmm. So once I got accepted into Nova, I stopped going to DO interviews. Okay. I continued to go to MDs, even though like kind of in the back of my head, I knew I wanted to go to Nova and stay closer to home unless I got an interview from an MD in Florida. Yeah. Okay. And you ultimately ended up getting... Lots of acceptances to both MD and DO. Yeah. What was the thought process behind choosing the school that you ultimately picked? Yeah. So my my first MD acceptance was like in late April, maybe not even. It might have been June. Um, and I was kind of already set on going to Nova. And that interview was over Zoom. Hmm. So... Like it went really well. I loved my interviewer, but 
it was really hard to like know if I wanted to go there. Yeah. Especially when I knew I, I knew I wanted to be close to home and I already had that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure if I even liked the school or like the area. Um, I just didn't know. Yeah. And I wasn't convinced. Yeah. That's kind of why. A lot of students will just blanket say, if you have a DO acceptance and an MD acceptance, you should automatically pick the MD. I had a a few friends tell me that. Um, And it's like, it's hard to hear it. But at the end of the day, like, it's kind of personal. Like, what am I going to be happier with? Because Mm -hmm. in 10 years, I'm going to be a doctor and my patients probably aren't going to know if I'm I'm an MD or DO. So it doesn't really matter. And having been in school now for a little bit, ha- do you have any sort of regret on that decision? Um, no, I think it's hard to tell because of everything like COVID and everything. So we're basically like fully online. Yeah. Um, I like really want to do community service and I can't. And I, I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to anywhere. So I don't think it's my school's fault, but that's something that I just feel like is lacking right now. Yeah. But it's just because of everything that's going on. That definitely makes it hard. Now, yeah. you were in a unique situation where you had some in-person interviews and some online interviews. Uh, and obviously, at least this application cycle, as we're recording this for 2021 start of medical school, uh, almost everyone, if, if not literally everyone, will be interviewing virtually. Do you have any recommendations on what students can do to, to get the most out of their virtual interviews? I think be like present and try to interact with the students that go there. Cause for me, it was really hard having the in-person interviews and then going into zoom. I, I felt like it was really weird. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I could talk to them the same because I already had that different experience. So if you're going through this, this whole year, like make sure to ask them all the questions and make sure that they let you know how they feel about the school and like try to get the best idea of what life is like there. Because you're probably not going to be able to visit, and you need to know if you would want to go there. Yeah, which is it's going to be hard regardless. <laughs> but like also, like do your research, try and find YouTube videos, like whatever you can do to make it feel like you went there. Yeah. What What other recommendations do you have for like websites to check out or or places to try to see cultural fits? If If the town is a good place to be in for you, how do you have any recommendations there? I. I don't know. Um, I like for every interview, I would also look at, I would like look for YouTube videos of the school. So usually yeah. you can find a, like a student giving a tour or something. So I think that would be helpful. Another thing is like Instagram, which is a weird thing to say, but it, I feel like it might give you like a, what the town is like or the city. Like if it's a food scene, you can like look at all the food stuff or yeah. something like that. Something that gets you excited, like see if they have that. Yeah. What has been, you talked about the transition or I asked you about the transition from kind of the Santa Fe College to UF, from UF to your master's program. What has that transition been like from the master's program to now medical school? Um, It was pretty smooth. I would say like, I have like a pretty solidified learning style. So I know how I learn best. Mm -hmm. So that's great. It's a lot more material. It's a lot, a lot of material but it's all about time management and I still feel like I have time to do things that I want to do. So if you're scared about going to medical school and not having time for anything, it's, 
it's not true. You'll have time, but like you'll have hours. You won't have a weekend off. Um, you'll probably just have a few hours where you can do stuff that you want to do. Yeah. How do you maintain that balance? Um, I study like every day, like it's a job and <laughs> I, I wake up at six every day. I walk my dog and then I study until probably six and I go to bed early still. Um, I'll have time to work out if I want to. I usually don't want to, but yeah, I have time for things. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. When you're in this process, right, it's been a long process. You're, um, you have family that are in and around healthcare. What has the, the support been from your family during this whole time? It's been great. Um, really great. Without them, I don't know if I would have made it this far. I probably would have given up after my first knee. But my parents were like, you can do this. Like, who cares if you got to see, you know, which is what you say. And they were right. But as a pre-med, you're not like, you don't want to listen to your parents or believe that a C isn't the end <laughs> of the world. Yeah. They always like believed in me and they always like pushed me. And when I was picking schools, they were like, you know, you, you go wherever you want to go. Mm. So they've been like very supportive in the whole entire process. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe an outsider's voice, especially when you have the the quote unquote expert telling you, "Oh, you got to see that you should just change careers now." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, super frustrating. Well, as as a student listening to this, struggling on their journey, what kind of final words of wisdom do you have for them to keep them motivated, keep them going? I would say to like to believe in yourself, um, to not let the doubt get to you. We all have it. Like every pre med doubts himself. You're not alone in this. Everyone feels it. If you want to see or two or three, it's okay. You're still going to make it. You probably have to try a little bit harder, but if you want it, like you're going to do it. So just keep pushing, find the resources and find people to help you that are going to support you throughout the process. All right. So there you have it. Another great story for you. And one that I, I think really highlights a potential shift in what students are thinking about in terms of MD versus DL. And now for Paola, it was important for her to be near home. She knew that's where her support was. She knew that's where she would thrive. And it didn't really matter, MD or DL. So uh, with with multiple acceptances to MD schools, to DO schools, she chose to go to the school where she, she thought she would best thrive at. And that's something that I talk about all the time. Go to a school that you will thrive at. Don't just go to a school because of the title of the school, the name of the school, just because it's an MD over a DO, et cetera. So hopefully this helped a lot of you, gave you a little bit of motivation. As Paola mentioned, she talked about finding this podcast after being told she couldn't get into medical school, listening to the stories, gaining some encouragement, some motivation, and some confidence that this was a path that she could continue down if that is what she wanted. And here she is, a medical student now. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out eShadowing at eShadowing.com. Every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern is our live eShadowing session. And that replay is available throughout the rest of the week. And then we'll throw them up on YouTube. You can get one hour of credit for watching at least 45 minutes 45 minutes of the e-shadowing session 
and passing the quiz, which you only have one shot at passing the quiz. So, uh, and, and you can get a certificate that has all of your hours and date ranges on there at the end. So go check it out, eshadowing.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.